Good morning. I want to begin by uh, asking for prayer. If we could continue to remember uh, and lift up Miss Bonnie, Bonnie Moore, and continue to lift up Miss Brenda Broach in the hospital, Miss Jean, others that are sick, that we continue to lift them up. And there's a lot of people traveling this weekend. So let's just remember as uh, people are away celebrating family and celebrating this Thanksgiving time, that first and foremost, we celebrate Christ. Um, you know, again, uh, the Christian life should continuously be marked by prayer and thanksgiving. Regardless of our situation, is if Christ is who he says he is, which he is, he's worthy to be praised, and he's worthy to be exalted, and we are to take our prayers and petitions for him. So let's continue to pray for those who are away that are sick, and who have lost loved ones, and those even here today, first and foremost, we pray that if you do not have a relationship with Christ, we pray that you are convicted of your sin, you repent, you turn to Him, because I can promise you there is no greater peace in your life than Christ is your Savior. Amen? I'd like to start off this sermon, again, most people, I guess, today will be preaching their Thanksgiving messages. You can do that Wednesday. But I wanted to continue in the book of Jonah. And I want to start off with an illustration that I love to use. And I've used several times, but I think it cannot be more applicable than it is this morning. There was a pastor who had a very large church. And as he began to get up on the pulpit, he noticed an Indian chief came in that was prominent in this area that the, not only did this Indian chief have, have, was well known by everybody there, he was, again, a, pro, a prominent figure in the community, had done many things for the people. And he was very well established and known. So the pastor decided to use that as an advantage during his pulpit message. During the sermon, he began to kick and scream and throw things. He began to yell and wave his hands and jump up and down and began to do all kind of things. And at the end of the service, when he went to the door to greet people, uh, the Indian chief walked out and he said, well, what did you think about the service, sir? And the Indian chief replied to him, big wind, loud thunder, but no rain. Big wind, loud thunder, but no rain. Brothers and sisters, as I stand before you today, those that are watching on TV, I pray and ask that you be careful who you listen to. Because I can tell you today, the American pulpit has changed. As Leonard Ravenhill once said, that I believe if Christ come back, he wouldn't cleanse the temple, he'd cleanse the pulpit. Because there are things that are said that people want to hear. I pray today that as I bring this message and any other message I continue to bring, that it is not for Chad's glory or for mine own, my own will, but for the glory of God that his words may be spoken. If you have your Bibles, I ask, with you, with, I ask for you to turn with me into the book of Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3. As Jonah has now as we had discovered, had ran from God, or he thought he could. God sent a great fish 
to swallow Jonah. And in Jonah, being in the belly of the fish for three days, cried out for mercy. Because he didn't want to go to a certain group of people. And how I have often said that a lot of times God has called us to do things. Again, I'm speaking to his people. That a lot of times we don't want to do what he has called us to do and we choose to run. I know I ran when God called me into the ministry. <coughs> Excuse me. However, God pursued, and here I am. You will find it that there's no place that you can go to escape God's presence. He will find you, and He knows exactly where you are. Jonah had an understanding of this, and Jonah would cry out for mercy. And the whale would vomit Jonah on the beach. Now take into consideration, as I shared last week, that Nineveh was just not right up the road. As Jonah was vomited on the shores, he had a many a mile walk to get to the city of Nineveh, but he had a new, renewed ambition. You see, I can't imagine what it's like to be smelling like fish vomit, and to go where God's commanded me to go. Nevertheless, God had mercy on him, put him on the shore, and Jonah went. Jonah chapter 3 begins, and I ask that we stand in the reading of God's Word. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it, the proclamation which I am going to tell you. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. Then Jonah began to go through the city, one day's walk, and he cried out and said, Yet forty days in Nineveh will be overthrown. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on a sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. And when the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne he laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth and satin ashes. He issued a proclamation, and it said, by, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let men, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water, but both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth. And let men call on God earnestly, that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw His burning anger so that we will not perish. When God saw their deeds, that they were turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which He had declared He would bring upon them, and He did not do it. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to You, Lord, thanking You for Your grace and Your mercy. God, I thank you for your word. God, I pray that as we are here and we leave here today, that your, Lord, your word would richly dwell among us. And to go out of the community and share the good news, that the same good news that saved us can save others. Lord, we're going to stand in faith that you are going to do a great thing here. And you're going to do great things in this world. And Lord, you do not need us, but God, you use us for your glory. May we be obedient to the call. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated.
I titled this sermon Real Preaching because I believe today now more than ever is that's what we need. Men who preach the Word of God. If you'll go back to the first, we'll go back to the first slide. I want you to see what it says. The Word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Now this speaks to me in many ways. I'm going to tell you why. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time in this, but this one verse tells me right quick like that God does not give up on you. He gives Jonah another opportunity. I'm going to tell you something. There's times I have been given many opportunities, those that I did not deserve, but God had mercy upon me. I want to tell you that God is not obligated to give you another time. But please understand that God is merciful. And he came again to Jonah and said, go. Now the first time he tells Jonah to go, he says what? I ain't going. Be careful. Because what I want you to understand, as I said a few weeks ago, that often God will use things to get your attention. And the first person that we need to evaluate when things are going this way is ourselves. Jonah put himself in that position because he ran from the word of God. And he was eaten and thrown into the sea, thrown into the sea and eaten by a fish because of his own making. You see, a lot of times, and this is what I learned, that most of the things that I do or the things that I am responsible for, the things of my own making, it's my fault. But God hasn't given up on me. And what I can think that God is a God of second and third chances, he's not obligated to be, and he may not be to you. So the important lesson is this. When God tells you to do something, do it. Amen? Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I'm about to tell you. Now I want you to listen to this very clearly. And again, this is why I titled this Real Preaching. Too many times in the pulpit today, my brothers and sisters, we got people preaching their own agendas. Because people will get up and say things that they think you want to hear. I've said this many times. You can preach on revelation and you can pack a church. You preach on salvation, you can fill it, fill it five times over. Nobody wants to hear that they're going to be confronted in their sin. Nobody likes that. You see, a lot of times people want to say things to make you feel good because everybody wants to be wanted in light. But the Bible tells us that Jonah says, look, you preach the words that I tell you to preach. And I will tell this to any pastor, any teacher, or anybody, including myself, that never falter from preaching God's word and try to preach your own because when you preach your own, it's contrary to the gospel of Christ and it's unbiblical and it has dire circumstances. He said, Arise and go to Nineveh, a great city, and proclaim it with the proclamation which I am going to tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. This is a big place. But Jonah is told by God to teach this eight-word message. Listen. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown first point I want to get you is you have to proclaim God's word, the proclamation of God's word. It is God's word. Jonah repeated what God said. One of the things that drives me crazy, and I've said this many, many times before, is when I go down the road and I see these goofy bumper stickers 
where I see these signs that God said, let me assure you, you better make sure that God said it before you say He says it. The Word of God is clear. Jonah was to preach God's Word, not his own. I think this is a disease that is going throughout America and the world as men rally men for their own glory and not God's. His proclamation was that of sin and repentance. You see, we don't have preachers that preach that anymore. You want to feel good. You want to leave here rejuvenated. You want to leave here emotional. Man, that felt good today. Then we go out that door and life continues to go on. Let me tell you something. Sin is real. Sin has consequences. Sin will tear you down. Sin smacks God in the face. In the life of the believer, there's no place for it in their lives. Listen. Jonah rose and went to Nineveh. And he proclaimed the word of God. If God does not tolerate the sin in those of the believers, listen to me, I can promise you he's not going to tolerate it in those who do not believe. He says, I will overthrow this city. Now can you imagine this? Here this man is, he smells like fish, he looks rough, and he's walking around this big city telling them, you're going to fall. Let me tell you what happens when cities fall back then. A lot of times when other conquerors would come in, not only did they destroy the city, they destroyed the people living in the city. There was great famine. There was great torture. It was a fall that was going to be great. It's not something that is desired. But understand that this message that Jonah preached was a message of God. You see, what happens too, we have those who teach you what you want to hear, but I think also, and I believe this with all my heart, that on the other side, we have those that fill the pulpit that think they can save every soul that's in the aisles. Let me tell you, I do not have the power to save a soul. Neither do you. I do not possess that. Your friend that you pray for, I cannot save them. Me talking to them is not going to save them. What I do is share the gospel that God works in their heart. Only Christ can save. I don't possess that power. But what Jonah did was proclaim God's word. It's a simple sermon. Sometimes we overkill things or fill things with fancy words that sound good. But the message of gospel was simple. You're going to be overthrown. Why are they going to be overthrown? Because they're sinful. Here's the moral of the story. When we proclaim God's word, we let him do the work. You see, it's not about me saying that I go home each week and put a notch on my board that, hey man, this person came to Jesus because of me. No, they didn't. I've been called to be an obedient servant to proclaim the word of God. He saves souls. Chad does not. So Jonah began to cry, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Then the people of Nineveh believed God. You see, here's the deal. He preached the word of God and God did the work. And when God works in people's heart, what do they do? They repent. You have a proclamation of the word 
and you have repentance. The Bible says that the people of Nineveh believed in God and they called a fast, put on a sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. You see, here's the beautiful thing about salvation. I want you to hear me real good. He says they put on sackcloth and ashes and they repented from the least of them to the greatest. I want to give you a little side note to this. It don't matter where you're from. It don't matter your financial status. It don't matter who your daddy was. It don't matter what family you came from. It don't matter what job you have. It don't matter how much 401k you have. Regardless, from the least to the greatest, God saves. And let me tell you something. No matter your status in this world, every one of you apart from Christ are sinners worthy of hell. And your money's not going to buy you a place in heaven. Nor anything else that you've done. The least from the great. Is that not great? Listen, because here's the story. And you ought to get excited about this. Jonah was a prophet to the northern kingdom. But God tells him to go to Nineveh. Here, here's the deal. He's a prophet to his people, but he is taken from his people by God and sent to the Gentiles. Do you hear this? This is very important to this. Because what he proclaimed in this passage is that God is the God of everybody. And whosoever shall call upon his name shall be saved. I praise God that he don't just say, well, you know what? There's her. Nah, don't worry about her. She, she don't have as much money as he does. See, that's the problem in the world. We think what the world tells us we should be is the gospel instead of listening to what God's word says we should be as the gospel. From least to the greatest, they repented. Do you hear this? They heard the word of God. God convicted their heart and they turned. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on ashes. He issued a proclamation that says, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water. But both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth. And let men call on God earnestly. Now I want to talk about this for a few moments. When they were convicted of their sin, they called on God earnestly. What does that mean? Complete sincerity. They wasn't just feeling sorry for their sin. They were turning from it. See the difference? There's a different difference in feeling sorry from it, for it and turning from it. Feeling sorry, a lot of people feel sorry for themselves because they got caught. They turn from it because they know they stand before a holy, mighty God. You see, the difference in feeling sorry is an emotion. Turning means to change. They turn from their sin. God earnestly, let men call on God earnestly, that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hands. Do you see that? It's all so personal. Every one of you are held accountable for you. I'm held accountable for what I share with you, but you're held accountable for you. When you stand before God, mom and daddy's not going to help you out. 
your friends, your family, your preacher, nobody else. You are responsible for you. Every man is born with a God-sized hole that only Jesus Christ can fill. Every person. And each is accountable for himself. Each man must turn and earnestly seek God because they have been convicted by God. Look what he says. Then who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. But I want you to look at something here just a little bit deeper. What do you think about this sentence? If you like me, you look at this stuff and go, man, this is unbelievable. Who knows? God may turn and relent. Do you hear that? God may. Regardless of whether God would or God did not, they realized they were in sinners. They were sinners and needed to repent from their sin. Do you hear that? It's not a let me get this to get that. When true conviction comes upon a man and he sees the error of his ways and his depravity before God, he realizes that regardless of his circumstances, wherever he may end up, that God alone says it is worthy to be praised. Amen? That's the difference. That's the difference. Jonah pro proclaimed the word, and the people repented. They didn't feel sorry. They turned. And each man reached out because he was responsible for himself. But look what happens. There was a proclamation. There was repentance. But also there was reconciliation. When God saw their deeds, that they were turned from their wicked way, then God relented. Concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. God still could. God still can. But God relented because God is merciful. Listen to me. There's no one in here, including me, that deserve anything from God. Not one thing. We don't deserve anything from Him. God is not a means to an end, nor is He an end to a means. God, regardless of any circumstance, is worthy to be praised. And He's worthy to be worshipped. And yet, in his own grace and mercy, he relented. You see, here's the thing. Let's fast forward several hundred years to the book of Acts. You see, the Bible tells me that Peter preached on what was called Pentecost. He went to his people and he proclaimed the word of God. Now listen, I want to read some of this. And I'm going to tie it all together for you. This is, preacher pre this is Peter preaching in the book of Acts, chapter 2. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he has both died and was buried and his tomb is with us today. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ 
that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all of the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. You see, when he preached the Word of God, the Word of God is what cuts and pricks the heart, not the Word of man. He preached the Word of God. And look what it says. And said to Peter, the rest of the apostles, they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you receive the Holy Spirit. It is always the Word of God. Faith will bring repentance. Repentance will bring reconciliation. The message has always been the same. It is by faith that you were saved. By faith in He who made you, He who created you, and He who saved you is the same Christ that will sustain you. It has always been by faith, in faith alone. And faith will lead to repentance. Faith and repentance go hand in hand. There must be change. And let me see, tell you what happens when you repent. Like I said, you are reconciled. That relationship which is broken has now been mended by the blood of Christ and Christ alone. You see, when God saw their deeds, he turned from their wicked way. Then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them. Let me tell you the moral of the story. When Jonah preached the word, the Ninevites repented because God worked in his word. Jonah was the obedient servant, loosely. We'll see that next week or week after next. But it was the words of God which brought conviction. God alone saves. Let me assure you, listen, that if you have been saved, it wasn't by some magical hocus pocus. If you were saved, it is because the Word of God brought conviction in your heart. And the Holy Spirit who convicted your heart convicted you and you turn from your sin and profess Jesus Christ as your Savior. Only Christ can save. I want to bring this to a close. It's not a long message this morning. But there are several messages I can get out of the book of Jonah. And I want to give a few to you. Number one, as a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, if you are, I want you to get in your mindset that all people, regardless of where they stand in the world can hear the gospel and be saved. Do you hear me? All people. 
You see, as David Platt said, the reason there are so many unraged people in the world is because all the easy places are taken. Regardless of where somebody lives, regardless of what language they speak, regardless of where they, what kind of life they have, whether it's poverty or rich, every single human being is born depraved in the need of a Savior. And the same God that saved Chad Howard, January 16th of 2000 on 659 Jordan Road, can save that man in the deepest jungles or in that city or in that office complex. Amen? And we should learn this. You see, Jonah didn't want to go to them because he disliked them. Okay? He disliked the Ninevites. Pulled out of your own country, sent to a country of Gentiles. What are you doing, God? I don't like them. Don't matter. I commanded you to go. He didn't want to go. The whale, or not a whale, we don't know what it was. The great fish. And grabs him. Then Jonah realized, you're right, God. It is you. And God had mercy upon him. The God of second chances. I can take that out of this too. And I'm glad God does not give up on me. And God will not give up on you. But let me tell you this, and please understand this. Listen. If you don't hear another word I say this morning, listen. There's none of us guaranteed tomorrow. Not one of us. There's not a guarantee that either one of you or any of you in this building will wake up and see tomorrow. I cannot guarantee you that. Today is the day of the gospel. You see, as God has mercy on us and we live another day, and we see He's merciful and He lets us have another day, we got to understand that just like us, every person in this world has a day that they're going to die. That is a fact. That is a mathematical fact. Every one of you have an appointment with death. Every person in this world has that appointment. And one day, that another chance may not come, which also teaches me in this lesson there needs to be a sense of urgency as we share the good news of Jesus Christ. I've shared this many times before. I think it's applicable again, and I'll continue to share it as long as I pastor and God gives me breath. Listen to me. There was a man that my mom and dad, uh, or my grandpa, I'm sorry, used to witness to. He used to witness to all the time and share the gospel. This man would reject it. He didn't want to hear anything. And this man gets sick. My grandpa dies. This man gets sick. This man calls my mom and daddy and said, please send Chad to talk to me. But you know what? I never went. And he died. And I live with that every day. Now I pray that one day when I get to heaven, I pray one day when I get to heaven that he's there and he wanted to say, Chad, Jesus found me, brother. But I'm afraid that he won't be there. You see, we can't have the mentality like Jonah did loosely. I don't want to go Somebody else will do it. The sense of urgency has to be now. Your neighbor, your family member, your work person that you work with, today is the day of the gospel. Chad, I don't like them. Let me tell you something. Who are we to pick and choose who God saves? 
take that of it, the sense of urgency. Also take out of this, it is God's word that needs to be preached, not man's word, as I said. It's not about cherries and rainbows and you can have your best life now and you'll be health, wealthy, and prosperous. I believe, honestly, that's preaching that makes me want to puke. Every one of you will have trouble. Every one of you will face death. Every one will use face for calamity. Jesus said so. There's none of us guaranteed a life of free of health problems. There's not any of us free from financial. He said, Chad, I'm financially set now, but let me tell you something. He that giveth in an instant can taketh away. God's word's final. Because I can tell you what, if you look at the history of Nineveh, to see how great it was, it was a great city. It was huge. It was exceedingly wicked, but it was huge. They had all the things that they could, could ever wanted. There was wealth, there was things going around, but yet God was going to kill it. He was going to destroy it. And I will tell you a little secret. If you ever read the book of Nahum, later on they turned back to their wicked ways, and he did. You'll find that in the Bible in the book of Nahum. Let me tell you something. No matter how great we think we on this earth, we can be humbled in an instant. It is in God alone in whom we trust. That same God that destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, that destroyed Nineveh eventually, is the same God that could destroy anything that we have. Let me assure you that God is greater than we are. But also what I get out of this is this. That as we share the good news of Jesus Christ, as we minister to others and we do his work, let him work. You know I struggle sometimes because there's a lot of people in this world that I want to see saved. But it's not up to me to save them. It's up to me to share the gospel. But it's up to God to save. God's timing is not my timing. God has his purpose in his way. I can't force anybody and twist their arm to become something that they're not. But I must have faith and be willing to share the word of God that he may move as he so chooses. But I want you to also think about this. I want you to think about the mercy of God. That the same God that was going to immediately destroy them relented because they repented. There's nothing more beautiful. There's nothing that brings more rejoicing than the angels rejoice over one sinner who comes to repentance. There is beauty in repentance. Why? Because in that repentance, there's reconciliation to God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you something. I still believe that God saves souls. I still believe that He is faithful and He is merciful. And the same God that spared them, spared me, spared you if you're a believer, will spare others. Please understand that as we get together this week and we celebrate, this celebration of Thanksgiving will be harder for some than others because those that used to sit at the chair, the chair will now be empty. There'll be those that'll celebrate with all the fixings, all the fine things that they can ever possible imagine. And they will have all the dressing, the cranberry sauce and everything and the pumpkin pie or whatever you may have. And you may be filled and you'll get tired afterwards and sit at the table and then say, man, I'm going to go watch football or take a nap because I don't have to work tomorrow, because I'll get up at 4.30 in the morning and go shopping on Black Friday. And there'll be those of, who will get together and celebrate, maybe with a loaf of bread, maybe a little bit of gravy that don't have money to go to Black Friday. You see, here's the thing about life. Life treats every one of us differently, but death's going to treat us all the same. 
And the same casket that holds people's bodies at Woods Mortuary will one day hold yours. That's a mathematical fact. But it's not about what you have. It's not about what you have this week or what you celebrate. It's who you celebrate and who has you. Because whether you have a little, you have a lot, whether you well or whether you sick, Christ is still able. Amen? And I pray today that everybody as you celebrate, you celebrate Christ first and foremost. We celebrate family. I'm looking forward to seeing my granddaughter who I've never got to hold. I've never got to hold her. I hadn't seen my grandson in a while. I hadn't seen my children in a while. But listen to me. I celebrate Christ first. He's first. He's first. Because as much as I love my family, listen to me, I love Christ more. Do you? But I also think about this as well. With that repentance and reconciliation comes peace. And I want you to think about this for a few moments. This past couple of weeks with this church has been tough. This whole year, past year and a half, has been tough. We've seen a lot of sickness. We've seen a lot of death. But I honestly believe without a shadow of a doubt in my mind that the same Jesus Christ who saves us will sustain us. We studied this in the book of Revelation. That the same Christ that saved us will sustain us because we're not guaranteed to be excused and omitted and brought out of any trial or tribulation. But we, what we are promised is Christ will walk with us through every trial and tribulation. Amen? It's all about Christ. Let's celebrate Him. You know, I don't want to be a disobedient Jonah. I want to be an obedient servant of Jesus Christ who preaches His words correctly and let the chips fall where they may according to His will. You see, I honestly believe that what this nation needs is a revival in the churches. I believe to have a revival, to be revived, you have to first be vived. I believe that God's people are sleeping for the most part and need to be reawakened. And I believe if we'll look at ourselves and we'll surrender to the call of God, I believe revival starts in our homes, people. And when it starts in our homes and it manifests itself into the workplace, it also manifests itself into the church. And I believe God will send a great revival and God's people will be revived. Then there'll be a fire that burns in us that want to go out there and share the good news. And I pray for that. I pray for that in your home. Don't be a Jonah in the sense that I don't like those people. I don't want to go. But be a Jonah where you are obedient to what God is showing you need to be obedient to. I often think to myself in closing, and you've heard this, that everybody says, what Bible character would you want to be?
think about this. Chad, where are you going on this tangent? Listen to me. Jonah didn't like the Ninevites. Abraham lied. David was an adulterer. Solomon enjoyed pleasures. John, uh, I'm sorry, Peter denied Christ three times. You see, everybody in the Bible was flawed except one person, Christ. If you want to be like somebody, be like him. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace and mercy, God. We thank you for your great compassion that you showed the Ninevites. Lord, that compassion is available to all who believe. Lord, I pray if there's one here today that's not a born-again believer in your Son, Jesus Christ, that you convict their hearts before it's eternally too late. Lord, there's none of us guaranteed tomorrow, but Lord, what we are guaranteed is that one day we're going to stand before you. And God, I pray that hearts are convicted, lives are changed, that when they stand before you, that the reason they can stand before you and enter into your presence is they reply, it is by your Son, Jesus Christ, and Christ alone. God, may we never be ashamed of the gospel. May we serve you diligently and faithfully. Lord, all God's people said, Amen. Stand and worship with us, please.